So where we at? Mark 5. Mark 5. All right. But we ain't going to Mark 5. And, and the reason is, I like what Don said. Sometimes the Lord will, will take you somewhere different, right? So <clears throat> I think before we get into, like, the bigger miracles that Jesus started doing in chapter 5 and 6 and 7, we need to talk about some things that have to do with who we are. Because really reading this isn't going to mean anything to you until you're ready for it to mean something to you, right? So go to Psalms chapter 14. Now, you, there's three things that we got to always remember that we're a spirit being, we have a soul, and we live in a body, right? We hear Fawaz does that every single time, and that's good because it's true. Um, you can go back to Genesis. God formed the man out of dirt, but the dirt wasn't alive yet. Life actually came when God breathed his spirit into a man or into the dirt and it became a man. So the spirit, even though God took some dirt and he molded it into the shape of a body, it wasn't alive. But the spirit that he breathed into the dirt is what brought life. Right. And so when it says we're created in his likeness and in his image. That means that God is a spirit. And in his likeness and image, we are a spirit. So you've got, hopefully you've got two spirits. <clears throat> if you're not saved, you only got one, which is yours. If you're saved and you're born again, you have two spirits, your spirit and the Holy Spirit. Because the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will bear witness with your spirit, the things that this says to you. Okay. So you, you've got two, yours and his. And a lot of times we, we get the roles reversed and we like to, to, to use ours instead of his. Um, so Psalms 14 says, the fool has said in his heart that there is no God. They're corrupt. They have committed abominable deeds. There is no one who does good. That's the NASB version. I like the message version. Billowous and bloated, they gasp. God is gone. Their words are poisonous gas, foul in the air. They poison rivers and skies. Thistles are their cash crop. Also like the Passion Translation. Only the withering soul would say to himself that there is no God. Anybody who thinks like this is corrupt and callous, depraved and destable. Devoid of what is good. But the Lord looks down in love, bending over the heaven's balcony, looking over all of Adam's sons and daughters. He's looking to see if there is anyone who acts wisely. Any who are searching for God and wanting to please him. But no, everybody is wandered astray, walking stubbornly towards evil. Not one is good. He can't even find one. Look how they live in luxury while they exploit my people. Won't these workers of wickedness ever learn? They don't even think of praying to God. But just look at them now. They're in panic. They're trembling with terror. For the Lord is on the side of the generous of loyal lovers. The Lord is always the safest place for the poor when the workers of wickedness oppress them. So the fool says in his heart that there is no God. So... <clears throat> When you think about that, I mean, let's be real. Most of us have said that at one point in time, that there is no God. I know I've said it for sure. And that was foolish for me to say. It's actually a good thing for you to say that at one point in your life, because then when you actually meet God, it's so much better. It's like, surprise, here I am. Here I've been. I've been waiting on you. And a lot of times, like it says, the withering soul is the one that says to himself that there is no God. The one that's beat down, that's beat up, that's tired of doing life, he's the one that normally says there is no God. The reason for that is because if there was a God, why am I going through this? But the question why 
It's never a question that we should ask God because that makes you out to be a victim. And there are no victims. A lot of times the things that we do cause other people to be victims. You have a choice to be a victim or a victor. Just because something's happened to you does not really give you the right to be, oh, whoa, it's me because everybody got problems. Just because you ain't got your, your father or you ain't got, you know, your kids no more or whatever. Like everybody has their own problems and you can't play the comparison game because we would all just loathe and self-pity. The winners are the ones that actually say, you know what? I can't control anything except what's between this finger and this finger. Circumstances are not going to control me. You know, the old saying is, I'm a product of my environment. No, you chose to be a product of your environment. Anybody can go out and get a job. Anybody can go out and do right. But we choose to be a product of whatever this environment is because this environment that we put ourselves in or that we've got comfortable in is the only thing that we know. We don't like to be uncomfortable, which is why you sit beside the same person in every chapel. You sit beside the same person in the dining room because that's where your comfort zone is. That's why you don't bust down and go with somebody else. Because you found somewhere that you're comfortable and you can you can almost hide inside yourself where nobody's going to see me. This is where I sit. And rather than go to the next man and get to know somebody else, you just sit in a place of comfort when God never intended us to be comfortable. So anyone that thinks like this is depraved and destable, devoid of what is good. Now go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Now, there's a lot of stuff in Corinthians, but we're not going to we're not going to be there forever. We're going to start in 10. First Corinthians, chapter two, verse 10. For to us, God revealed them through the spirit. For the spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thought of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God, no one knows except the spirit of God. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. So that we may know things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. But the natural man does not accept the things of the spirit of God because they're foolishness to him. He cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised, but he who is spiritual appraises all things. Yet he himself is appraised by no one for who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ. So the natural man or the natural me considers all of this stuff foolish. Me waking up at 5.30 and going in the dining room, me reading this Bible, having to do this, having to do that. I consider all of this stuff foolish with my mind. But the spiritual man appraises all things. So spiritually, I know that me doing this is good. It's beneficial. It's going to take me where I really need to be. Because in reality, we all should know deep down inside that this is where we need to be or we would have never called. Now, some cases are different, court, whatever, but even still, who wants to sit in a eight by six cot with somebody else smelling their feet, their breath and their farts all day when you could be somewhere like this actually trying to get something for yourself, a different life? I mean, Romans 8, I mean, we've been doing Bible study every night. Most of y'all have been coming, but Romans 8 tells us that therefore now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I'm no longer condemned about the way I was living. 
I don't feel no kind of way about it. Everybody else might feel some kind of way about what I did, but I don't. I don't feel any kind of way about it. And I, I just to be right honest, I don't value your opinion, your opinions, and I don't really care if I offend you because what I'm worried about is offending God. So if I don't come in here and I don't make you feel some kind of way, I really feel like I haven't done my job. Because if I leave here and I don't feel some kind of way about what I said, then I, then I ain't done my job. Because I have to appraise myself every day. It's not about your walk. It's about my walk. And so the spiritual man appraises all things. Yeah, I don't like dealing with half of y'all first thing in the morning. Y'all don't like dealing with me in the morning. That's just how it is. Ain't that right, Gavin? But we got to live together. We, we got to live together. So I got to look past some things with certain individuals for the better good of myself, mainly, because I don't want that old man to rise up and then I look stupid. It's easy to resurrect something that you're comfortable with. When you put that old man down and he's dead, a dead man is capable of nothing. But if I resurrect him, he's capable of a lot of things. He's capable of making me overdose again or going back to prison or stealing and robbing and and selling dope and all the things that I don't want to do. But I always have the option to resurrect him again. It's actually my job to leave him dead. So I have to appraise all things through the Holy Spirit. Now, when new people come in, we call it grace, right? We, well, you got grace. And, and Joey likes to use that a lot. Everybody gets extended grace when they ask Joey. You know what I'm saying? They get like two weeks. <laughs> but in reality, the grace thing is like a day or two, unless you're really detoxing. And I thought about that because the spiritual man should appraise what grace really is. It's unmerited favor. It's favor that I don't deserve. But a lot of times I'm so starstruck by the blessings. I forget there's some things that God does not like. I read this thing earlier that said there's, you know, we call these people pastors, but they have another name. If they don't teach sin, repentance and being born again, they're called false teachers. And I never teach those things. I realize, like, I never I never teach on sin. But the reality is, is that God hates it. He hates sin. He doesn't hate you because you sin, but he just hates the idea of sin because the original sin was us going against what he told us was was good for us. And anytime I like to pick and choose what the word says to, to benefit me, I'm actually separating myself from the word and saying, I know better than what God says. I'm going right back to where I was in the beginning. Because either the whole word's true or none of it's true. And so I like, I like, we all like to shuck and jive those verses that say, don't fornicate, don't commit adultery, all these things. But, you know, we even like to, to try to bypass Jesus when he said, if you even look at a woman wrong, that's sin. I do that every day. That's a man thing. But not only a man, a women do it too. But God hates that, especially if you're married. Because he's given you the greatest gift that you could get other than salvation. Unless, you know, she's one of them, like the Haitian women or whatever, because he was bucking that day. He was letting them have it. Jeez, he was letting them have it. But I can't pick and choose Little sections to make me feel good all the time. Yeah, the word is encouraging. But there's a lot of stuff in there that's not encouraging. The first three or four chapters in Romans is Paul exposing everybody's ugliness. Everybody's. Oh, you're Jewish. You think you got something. You think you really think you got something because you Abraham seed. Then he gets on the Gentile. Oh, you think you got something? 
Oh, you're worse than idols and, and everything else. You're just as bad as this one is. And this one's just as bad as this one is. Everybody falls short. So if you don't expose the reality that you are a sinful being at your core, you are ugly as the next man. You will never really understand what salvation is about. You just won't. There's actually another verse in, in 2 Corinthians that says, Godly sorrow is actually what leads a man to repentance. And godly sorrow normally brings a lot of ugly crying. Amen. Because you realize that you did wrong. That you did fall short. That you did hurt your father's feelings. And if and, and I, I would beg to say that if you ain't hit that spot in your life where you actually just cried to God because of his kindness is what leads you to repentance. But godly sorrow is what comes out of it. It's the byproduct of his kindness. You being sorry for what you did. And if you haven't hit that place, maybe we need to get there. I've hit that. I hit that place on a regular basis. On a regular basis. I might not do it up here in front of y'all, but I ain't ashamed to say it. I cry all the time. I'm not in prison. I ain't got to hold nothing back. Grown men cry. Whoever told you that men don't cry was a liar. The reason that we shrink inside of ourselves most of the time is because we were never allowed to cry. We were never really allowed to have real feelings about stuff. You know, your mama, or at least my dad was like, I'll give you something to cry about. I'm already crying. What do you mean you give me something? I'm crying already. Well, now that I'm going to give you something to cry about. And so over a period of life, you kind of hold back because you're scared. If you cry, well, you're going to get something to cry about, right? It just, it kind of, yeah, it follows you. <clears throat> but the natural man doesn't accept the things of the spirit. If you do not accept the things of the spirit or the things, I mean, the, the whole word is spiritual. From the front to the back, it's spiritual. If you don't accept it, then you're, you're, you're carnal, you're fleshly. And that's fine. I didn't believe it when I first read it. It took me a few times to, to really read it and try to understand it. Because you can read it like a, a comic book. It's a good story. I mean, there's people getting their heads cut off, Sodom and homosexuals getting killed. And like, all it's crazy. Like, if you really get in there, I mean... Elijah went to all these people. and He's like, if your God's really God, build an altar. I'll build an altar. I'm going to let you pray. Get God to burn that up. If he burns it up, your God's real. But if he don't, then mine's going to burn it up. God didn't show up because their God wasn't God. And Elijah said, well, maybe he's over there hissing or something. <laughs> like a man of God literally tells these people, well, maybe he's over there relieving himself. But as soon as he calls God down, it burns the altar up. And everybody worships God. There's good stories in there, but it's actually more than just a story. It's a factual story. This isn't Pixar or a Disney movie. This is like, this is real. But it's only real to the person that it's real to. If it's not real to you, it's just another good story. It's like watching Gladiator or 300. It's just, it's just it's good action. Whatever. Whatever, bro. But the reality is, is that our spirit, man, has to be awakened. Because a lot of them are sleeping. Originally, your spirit is totally asleep. That's why it says in Romans, awake, O sleeper. Awake, Gavin, in the mornings, right? Awake, O sleeper. He's not saying somebody like oversleeping in bed. No, it's your spirit is unconscious because sin has defiled your conscious. Your emotions and your intellect have got in the way and suppressed the spirit that's in you. So you have to wake you have to wake your spirit up once it's awakened. And then once you're born again, now you have light to come in and substitute the darkness, which is where we want to be at. But even when you're in that place and the light is beginning to substitute the darkness, your mind is still the battlefield. Your mind is where all of the battle 
is going on. That's why, is it once saved, always saved? Who cares? Are you saved? It's the real thing. Because in reality, your body is not saved. But your spirit is saved. And I can show you in Corinthians. Your body is so defiled that you cannot take it into heaven. You have to get a brand new one. So when you get this brand new one, your spirit and your new glorified body come together and now you can go into heaven. But the battle now in on this earth is in our minds. I mean, I did the thing a couple weeks ago about your girlfriend. You know, everybody's got a girlfriend or a wife or has had one. And as long as you sit there and you think about what Jody's doing, your old lady's doing it, too, whether she's doing it or not. That's that's just the truth. Tank top Tony. Yeah. T-shirt Travis. I mean. Yeah. Because you can sit right here and you can you could be, you know, you can be in a place and not be there. You can be at the house of prayer and not be here. You can be in the dining room and not be in the dining room. It's not that hard. You could actually be reading the Bible and not be reading the Bible. Because you're just looking at the words, but your mind is like, I need to make a phone call after chapel because I forgot to call before chapel or whatever. <laughs> or you can be sitting right here, especially your first couple of weeks. It's like, I could just, I don't need to be here. I'm good. Your mind is telling you you're good when in reality, your spirit is telling you right the opposite. But the priority is screwed up. You don't listen to your spirit. You listen to your mind because most people think that intelligence is really where where it comes from but it's not it's easy to deceive people and manipulate people i mean look at most of the people that you've came in contact with before you got here you either schemed on them manipulated them you got twenty dollars from them for you know whoever knows what you really told them you needed twenty dollars for you know i got a flat tire who needs twenty dollars for a flat tire you know what i mean but people will give you the people will give it to you because they feel sorry about your condition. Even when you think people don't know you're getting high, they know. Because you look crazy. They you look crazy. Your first little, you know, couple weeks or whatever, you might be alright. But you still look crazy. But the, the battle is in your mind all the time. It's constantly in your mind. The best example I can give you currently is Scotty. Scotty was so worried about his stuff. Cool and all that. Like he was he was worried. Now, I will tell you, had Scotty prayed as much as he worried, he wouldn't have wasted so much time. Because God looked out for him. Like looked out for him. Ain't he yeah, all the way out. Ain't even gotta go. Just be here. God moved in his circumstance and said, you know, this is where I really need you. I don't need you in a in a county jail. I need you at the house of prayer. So we're going to put we're just going to go ahead and move that. And I need you to be here now because you haven't been here. And now he's here. He's listening. He's taking it all in because all that worry is gone. All the thoughts. Well, you know, what, what about that? What, all that's gone. God moved all that out of the way so he could be here right now. And a lot of times we're the ones that actually block the blessings that we got coming to us. Most of the time we don't receive a miracle because we have the mindset that we're allergic to miracles and that they really don't happen. If you have not received a miracle, you may want to check your way of thinking. Which is why we're not getting into Mark yet, because we start talking about Jesus walking on water. Your mind is going to say that's physically impossible. So we have to dig up some things in our minds first. (laughs) Whatever gets in your mind is what gets you. Think about that. How many of you like working out? Not many of us. How many of you like dieting? Not many of us. How many of you like fasting? Not many of us. But when you make your mind up to fast, You have never been so hungry in your life. 
You have never been so hungry in your life. You only in, you only eight hours in, and that eight hours was when you were sleeping. But as soon as you wake up and you're like, I'm fasting today, your body is screaming, I'm so freaking hungry right now. I'm so hungry. And it's your mind that's telling you you're hungry. Your stomach ain't even growled yet. It ain't even turned over. It ain't made the first noise. But your mind is saying, you need to eat. You need to eat. Josh just killed bacon and eggs. And so your mind is always going. And the reason why it's so intense is because the mind is the greatest asset of a human being. The mind is your greatest asset. Without it, you could not function. You couldn't. Your mind's what tells you to go take a leap. Imagine if that part of your brain didn't work. You'd be everywhere. You'd be walking around with the pens on. 32 years old. So your mind is your greatest asset. Your mind is the control center for your body. The things that you allow into your mind are what's going to allow you to either move in something evil or move in something good. But you have to subject your mind to the spirit, not your spirit, but the Holy Spirit, because we have the mind of Christ. So when you allow the Holy Spirit to move in and replace or renew this mind with the mind of Christ, now your body is in control based on what the Holy Spirit says, not what Jeremy says, because my will and my mind get me in a lot of trouble. But when I yield to what God has for me and what he's saying, I can never go wrong. So there's many, there's a ton of scriptures we can look at. We're going to look at 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. Though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. In other words, we do not fight with armor. We do not fight with politics. We do not fight with money. We do not fight with any humanistic ways because our weapons of warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised up against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Second Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. That's a different version than what y'all read, but it's, it's, it's really good because it expands on, on the concept. 3 through 5. So we don't wage war with the flesh. We actually wage war with the mind. Because the mind always tries to elevate itself above God. So when those lofty thoughts or those crafty imaginations come in and say, well, this ain't God. It, it might be God and it might be that we need to check our thoughts and submit it to God. A stronghold is just a mental block. There's different definitions, but that's the one that we're going to use in this in this context. So Paul's actually talking about arguments that are set up against the knowledge of God. Right. Is it once saved, always saved? Maybe, maybe not. That's a lofty opinion. Because the Bible says that you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth that Jesus died and he's raised on the third day, you will be saved. He didn't add any other stipulations to that. So if you believe in your heart and then you confess with your mouth that he is God, that he died and he raised on the third day, you're saved. Not this thing you walk around in, but your spirit is saved. Right? But that thought comes in and the accuser of the brethren or the father of lies always comes in and says, are you really saved? Because if you were saved, you wouldn't do this. If you were saved, you wouldn't be looking at her. If you was really saved. The issue is that this thing that you walk around in is always going to be tormented by sin. Always. Especially while we live here. While we temporarily live on this earth, we are not of the world. We're actually seated in heavenly places right now. But our bodies wage war on the earth. And the prince of the power of the air owns this earth. Because when he took Jesus up onto the temple, 
He said, if you bow down and worship me, I'll give you all of this. He can't give you something he doesn't own. The enemy owns the earth. We're in his playing field. But the good thing is, once I'm saved, I'm already seated in heavenly places. Whether I die or whatever, it doesn't matter because I'm already there. And that's the mindset that I have to live from. So a stronghold can be a worldview such as materialism, Darwinism, secularism, relativism, communism, atheism. Any of these isms are strongholds. Buddhism. All of these things can become strongholds in your life because what it's actually doing is substituting your worship of the living God for something that is a false God. A stronghold can also be your personal attitude. Worrying can be a stronghold. The I don't care can be a stronghold. Anxiety. All these things can be strongholds. They're mental blocks. That's why they send you to a mental health clinic. It's something mental. But the Holy Spirit is powerful and divine in tearing down strongholds if you allow them to. Take every thought captive and submit it to the obedience of Christ. We have to take it captive. Then we have to make it submit. And then we have to give it to God. It's our job to make our thoughts obey. You either entertain it or you don't. You ever notice how your mind doesn't always mind? Your mind doesn't always mind you. Did your grandma never told you that? You better mind me. You better listen to me. Your your mind doesn't always listen to you. And the reason is, is because you really haven't given it to God. You still want to hold on to it. You still want to see her in your mind doing whatever it is. You're not willing to let go of it. If you're not willing to let go of it, you're going to entertain it. Once you entertain it, sin will give birth in the death. But if you allow God to come in and you submit it to him and make it obey, it ain't going to hang around. But the minute you give the enemy a, str- a, a foothold, he's going to kick the door wide open. One little sin is going to lead into a bunch of them. Paul talks about it in Romans 7. He says, I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do is what I keep on doing. The fact is the reason we have so many ineffective Christians is because we don't know how to fight the battle of our minds. It's too easy to get wrapped up in Facebook and Twitter and IG and social media and politics and news, fake news, good news, any, you can get wrapped up in all of that. And all of those things have an effect on what you believe. So there's four principles that you can talk about. Don't believe everything that you think. Guard your mind from trash. Never give up on learning. And let God stretch your imagination. We might not get to all of these. This is like an exhaustive teaching. And I know Gavin's ready for bed. Jesus. All right, are we ready? All right, so don't believe everything that you think. According to Deuteronomy 28, verse 20, our minds are confused. 28, 20. Job says that our minds are anxious and closed off. Ecclesiastes 2, 21 says it's evil, it's restless. Leviticus says it's rash and deluded. 
The enemy makes suggestions all the time. It's a matter of what you do with it. So the Bible talks about a troubled mind, a depraved mind, a sinful mind, a dull mind, a blinded mind, a corrupt mind. So pretty much our minds are broken. That's why it says lean not on your own understanding. Jeremiah 17.9 says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? The heart in terms of that verse is your mind. Your mind is sick above all things. 17 verse 9. It's so sick that you have the ability to lie to yourself and believe it. That's how sick it is. I mean, think about it. Think, I saw this thing today, right? This guy was like milking a cow. He had a little glass of milk. And the caption was, who was the sicko that was doing something with the cow to just figure out there's milk coming out of this thing, right? And, it, and immediately my mind was like, that's a really good question. Like, <laughs> like, who in their natural mind would just see a cow and be like, let me go yank on maybe something. Like, what was really going on? You know what I'm saying? Somebody, somebody had to be messed up mentally to just, yeah, a baby's different. Yeah, I'm, I'm with that. Yeah, but even like before then though, like who just decided was good for the baby cow? Maybe, maybe we can put it in bottles and sell it to school kids. You know what I'm saying? Like. Anyways, I was way off track. That's how my mind works. I think about the dumbest stuff. Jesus. Help me, Lord. Anyways, you lie to yourself all the time. Right? I lie to myself all the time. You know, it ain't really as bad as, as they say it is. Things ain't really as bad as they, they seem. When in reality, they suck. They suck. It's no, it's really, it, it really ain't a big deal though. It really is a big deal. That's why you have to question your thoughts and teach others not to believe everything that they think. Just because you have a thought does not mean that it's correct. Josh, I mean, Levon. <laughs> Not every thought that I have is the right is it may seem right to me, but it may not be right. That's just my opinion. You know what I'm saying? I got one amen in here. Not everything that I think is a good thought. That doesn't make me any less Christian than the next man that's doing good things all the time. The difference is, is I can look at my faults and say I got faults. There's a lot of people that are so-called Christians that can't look at themselves, but they'll look at your 5%. But I'm willing to admit that I'm not even close to where I should be. I'm a work in progress. The Bible says that Satan is the father of lies, John 8, 44. If he can get you to believe a lie, then he can get you to sin. So we come here to get clean and sober. What we, well, that's what we think we come here to do. Really, that's a setup. You come here to get saved and sanctified. Right? You just don't know that's what you're really coming in for. But if, if he can get you to believe a lie, he can get you to, to, to sin, to move into that thing. Just because your thing wasn't heroin doesn't mean that when he comes, oh, you can smoke a little bud. You can have, yeah, you you deserve it. You just need, you know, you can, you want an alcoholic, you can you can go have a drink. The minute you get drunk, you're gonna be on the phone trying to call the dope man because dope was what your thing was, and alcohol never got you where you wanted to be. So now you're full blown back into it. That's why when those thoughts come, we have to submit it to God and move on. 
Anytime you sin, you think you know better than God. You know that? Anytime you sin, you think you know better than God. Why are you smiling, B? Huh? It hurt, don't it? It hurt, don't it? That's why you got to question your thing. You got to question what you, what it is you think. I don't know. Why Why are we always like, well, God said this. Well, yeah, well, what about that? What about that? We want to step away from the fact that, uh, yeah, he said that, but what about this? What about grace? What about favor? What about righteousness? Well, what about the fact that he still hates sin regardless? It ain't always that feel-good message. Read James every day. Read James. <laughs> you deceive yourself all the time. I like things, or I think I like things to be real or authentic. The only thing that are that is really authentic is the Word of God. Most people are fake, two-faced. They'll bite your back as soon as you turn around. They'll smile in your face as soon as you turn around. They gossip about you. Most people are fake. Everybody got two masks. Everybody's got two masks. But authenticity is something that humans value. But you're not authentic until you can publicly admit how unauthentic and how fake you really are. When you can get to that place, then you're genuine. Then you're authentic. Then you you're no longer thinking about me anymore. But we get trapped by categories a lot. Are you this or are you that? You know. Categories are not who you are. A pastor is not who you are. An evangelist is not who you are. A murderer is not who you are. An alcoholic is not who you are. Those are categories that you try to place yourself in, but that's still not who you are. Because in reality, if you're saved, you are a child of God. But you can put yourself in whatever category you want to. I like what Paul said. Paul Paul said, I became all things to all people so I can save some. I was a Jew to the Jew, a Gentile to the Gentile, a Pharisee with the Pharisees. He was everything to everybody just so he could save some. So when I put myself in one category and I'm stuck there, I can only help these people. One of the big reasons why you don't need to believe everything you, that you think, because your mind, like I said, your mind is, is not saved. You're saved, but your mind is not. You can't believe everything that you see because the mind is the control center. Salt looks just like sugar. That's just something basic that you can use to realize how how screwed up the mind really is. The only way you really know the difference is if you taste it. Well, salt looks like sugar, but sugar looks like anthrax. So you really want to taste it or you just want, you know what I'm saying? There's a whole different, you can go all kind of ways with that. You can't trust what your mind tells you this is or this isn't. You have to trust what the word says. If the word says that I am a child of God, that's what I have to trust. Regardless of what my mind tries to tell me, well, oh, what about your past? What about when you did this to your wife or you did this to your kids? That don't matter. Because I am who God says I am. I am righteous. I am holy. I am full of faith. I do have spiritual gifts. I do walk in life. Those are the things that really matter. My mind can tell me I'm not. And I have the option to believe that, but I don't. The second thing you have to learn for the battle of your mind is guarding it from garbage. Like music choices, movie choices. Who you hang out with. That's that's self-explanatory. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time there. We just move on. But if you put garbage in, you're going to get garbage out. That's just it's just easy as, as it gets. I mean, 
Psalms 101.3 says, I will not set my eyes before anything that is worthless. Yeah. I mean, I know most people wouldn't just invite some people over to their house. You know, especially if you're married, you would, you, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't just invite some random people to your house and be like, look, why don't y'all just fornicate right here? Why don't y'all just commit adultery right here in the living room? I got my kids and everything here. Just go ahead and get it in. But every time you watch TV, that's what you do. Every time you watch CSI or you watch Fifty Shades of Grey or whatever you watch, you're inviting those things into your house. So what's the difference in you watching it on TV and then it really inviting some people over to just hit the floor real quick? What's the difference? Because if you're willing to watch it with your kids around, you must be willing to let, just let it happen right here on the floor while they're around. And what you invite into your house is what's going to rain in your house. <clears throat> you wouldn't just invite, you know, Jeffrey Dahmer into your house and say, look, we about to have a, a, a pig picking. I got this body right here. Go ahead, cut it up. We'll eat it. But you'll watch scary movies like that. You'll watch cannibals and you'll watch all these people doing crazy stuff. Why wouldn't you just invite somebody into your house and say, look, just go ahead and murder this dude right here on the floor. He's here. I, I just don't like him. Go ahead and do it. But every time you watch First 48 or you watch whatever, you're inviting that stuff into your house. That's why you have to guard your heart or guard your mind. What you put in is what you're going to put out. So there's a few ways that you can guard your minds. Philippians 4, 6 through 8 gives us two ways to guard our minds from the garbage. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, whatever is true, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. How do you know when you have the peace that surpasses all understanding, Josh? How do you know when you have the peace that surpasses all understanding? And I ask you that because I know you're big on the peace deal. Mm -hmm. We, oh, you got you got an answer? Come on. Okay. We got. Mm -hmm. How about when you, yeah, how about when you give up trying to understand why God does what he does and you just trust him? When you can give up questioning why he does what he does and you just trust that he's going to do what he says he does. That's when that peace comes. That's why you have peace. Of everything. So the first way you guard your heart and your mind is in everything. Pray. He says, pray. Paul says, pray about everything. But then he says to think about whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise. Notice that he says, pray about everything. Like I said, if you were to pray as much as you worry, you'd have a lot less to worry about. Don't worry about everything. Just pray about everything. Don't worry about using the phone. Just pray about using the phone. You can develop a two-track mind, right? You can still think some things over here and at the same time, listen to what God's telling you. It's not that, it's, it's not that hard. You talk to yourself all day long. Every time I come into contact with somebody or you come into contact with somebody, especially in the morning, if they ain't brush their teeth, in your mind, you say, his breath stinks. You talk to yourself all day. 
Now, what do you talk to yourself about is what matters. Because when you read Psalms, David talks to himself over and over so much that he wrote it down. I will praise the Lord. Today is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Over and over and over, he's telling himself all day long, I will praise the Lord. I am a child of God. I am full of faith. I do believe. He does work miracles. He is the way maker. It's more than just singing songs. You can praise and worship without having music on. Anytime you get to a, to a spot where, you know, your, your day is just, you know, Gavin was like that this morning. You're just a good example. And I love you. That's why I talk to, about you all the time. This morning, he did not want to go to Spectra. Absolutely did everything he could to get out of it. Everything. He went back to bed. He lay back in the bed. He was trying to take a 24. He chased me down the hallway with no shoes on, trying to swap out for the landfill. And in reality, how was your day? It's good. Right? No, I, I mean, I understand that, but you, you had a decent day, right? Right. And you entertained it. Yeah. That's a good answer. Because whatever you resist, persists. The more you hit the nail, the harder you drive it into the wood. The more you declare the things of God over the things of the world, the more it's going to take effect over you. If you only hit the nail a little bit, it ain't going to go all the way in. It ain't going to stick. Whatever you, whatever it is throughout your day that gets your focus is what gets you. Whether that be that phone call, visitation, gum, whatever. Whatever it is that you can just consumes your focus all day long is what gets you. I mean, think about it. You wake up in the morning. I know when I was out there, first thing I did, I didn't brush my teeth or nothing. I'm hitting the phone. Where's that? He didn't answer. I'm calling the next one. It had my focus. And my focus eventually got me to a place called the house of prayer. Now my focus has changed. Right? My ch- my focus has changed. And it's hard to do. It's hard to control your mind. It is so hard. That's the hardest thing to do in this Christian walk. Everything else is cake. <clears throat> Reading, praying, all that shit. You know, those are things you can accomplish on a daily basis. But controlling what you think is harder than you think. You don't believe me? Go to Planet Fitness. Just go one time. Just go one time. You you think you really walking this thing out until you get to the gym and them yams are shaking and the spandex is moving. Then you really got a second guess. Should you even be in Planet Fitness for one? Yeah. Or should I just get some elastic bands and work out at the crib? That's all I'm saying. What controls your mind controls you. Just remember that. If anger controls your mind, anger is going to control you. It will manifest in your life, and then you'll choke somebody out. It ain't that hard. It ain't that hard. All right? So, Lord, we just thank you for this day, God.